Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. If you have your Bibles, why don't you flip open with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be sitting in Acts chapter 8 today. We've been going through a sermon series for quite a while. Uh, I don't know if you can call it a sermon series more as, uh, hey, we're just going to get through this book together. So we're going through the whole entire book of Acts. And uh, hey, I want to remind us once again that uh, the, act, the whole foundation of Acts is found in this verse right here, Acts 1.8. And you guys will know this by heart by the time we get done with this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And today is no different. We're looking exactly at a person who is walking around telling people about Jesus. Last week, we ended with Philip, and uh, Philip is preaching in Samaria. Tons of people follow him, and People are trying to get the power that Philip has, and people say, you don't understand. It's absolutely free, and you don't lord it over anybody. And so, once again, we find Philip in verse 26 uh, doing the exact same thing, listening to God and walking uh, with God. And so let's read um, this first section of Scripture together. We're going to go 8, 26 through 30, and here's what it says. And as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning seated in his carriage. And as he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over Walk along beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? Would you pray with me? Right away, Lord, we just, we see your spirit working in spite of us. Lord, that uh, you call us to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to be your witness and whatever area we're at. And so God, as we uh, jump into this verse today, would you just well up inside of us desire to share your grace, your mercy, your truth? And Lord, would we look at your scripture differently today? And would we allow it to change our hearts? In your name we pray, amen. So, most of you know that um, I entered into ministry right as I was 18 years old, and so I haven't done a lot outside of the church, and I still remember the day in which I, ha- I helped a kid in my youth group come to Christ. But it wasn't until much later when I was in seminary that we had a, uh, I'm, I'm sure it happened before, but I, this is the one that is reminded to me the most, we had to go through this course in seminary about, hey, how do you share your faith? And so I was riding in a train uh, from Glasgow to Minneapolis, and so I had 12 hours, and, and I was supposed to come alongside somebody that I didn't know and share the gospel with them. And so it was a part of, it was a part of my duty in school, which is really funny that they have to make 
make that like a, like a class project for you to do as if you don't normally already do it. And so I remember it because it's really easy to maybe talk to your kids and try to share the truth of the gospel, or it's really uh, quite simple to talk to somebody who has been going to your church a while and they just kind of instinctively go, hey, what's this thing about Jesus? And it just kind of happens naturally, but it's a completely different thing to go up to strangers. And I remember it to this day because I was sitting in my chair in the train as I'm going to Minneapolis, and I'm like, "I I have to do this. I have to go talk to a complete stranger and say, hey, do you, uh, do, you, do you know Jesus? And so I'm sitting there, and I do not want to do this whatsoever. So I remember fighting with myself for four hours in this chair, thinking, I'm going to go talk to a complete stranger. How do I even start up anything? Now, a lot of you look at me, and you go, well, you talk to everybody. Yes, I talk to everybody in my safe bubble when I know what I'm supposed to talk to them about. Guys, I write like questions down on a piece of paper when I'm going to people's houses just so I know what kind of conversation I'm going to have with people. That's how weird I am, okay? And so uh, I, I'm really fun once you get me outside of those questions. It just takes me a little while. So I'm freaked out, right? And so I go to the observation car and I sit down and of course, like I see like these four people sitting in this circle there and I go to where nobody's sitting, right? And I'm like, all right, God, time for you to bring somebody along, right? <laughs> like just this idea that you, you've got to bring somebody. And so uh, finally I start looking around and that group of like four people they moved off and left one guy one guy sitting alone by himself and so I just did this like (laughs) sat down right just sat down and and like time goes by I'm like beautiful weather huh and he's like yeah dude yeah I mean like long hair cool guy right um so uh what you on the train for oh you know just traveling from here there oh cool cool so uh, my name's Seth. Uh, what's yours? I don't know his name. I'm going to call him Steve. Steve is my name. Well, Steve. Um, so here's the deal, dude. I've got this, like, thing I'm supposed to do for school, like, share Jesus with you. Um, so I'm just wondering, uh, do you, you, you know Jesus? What do you think about religion? <laughs> I mean, just, like, looks at me, super cool guy, right? Like, the moment that I had to go, hey, this is important. Do you, do you know Jesus Christ? I totally botched it, but man, Steve was a really cool guy. At the end, he goes, you gave me a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm sure it maybe did a little bit better, but I, all, I just remember it was a huge flop. And as I was reading this section of Scripture, it reminded me once again of what's really important. Because I would, I would have to say that at that moment, Jesus was an assignment for a grade, not a heart welling up inside of me to share Jesus with people. And so today's sermon is just that, just walk across the room. And it's this idea that are we willing to at any point just walk across the room and share with somebody Now, I'm not saying that this is where your life needs to be about finding every stranger on the end of the street corner, and you got a bullhorn in your hand, and you start saying, turn or burn, baby. You're going to hell if you don't know Jesus. That's not what I'm suggesting, because there is a little bit more of going, hey, have we built relationships? 
are we listening to the, to the calling of God to go in certain places? And we find it right away in this scripture. Because Philip, right, he had just gotten done going and preaching in Samaria because the church has been persecuted. And so he's all of a sudden getting lots of people to come to Jesus Christ. Now, here's the crazy thing. Philip is not one of the 12 original, uh, original apostles. He would not be the guy who's been walking with Jesus this whole entire time, right? He, would, he was not picked as the greatest of the 12, but he is the guy that has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. And so if you're taking notes with me, the very first thing that I want you to write down in your note is this, is uh, before anything else for us to walk across the room, and we, we need to love God. And so loving God means that we invite the Holy Spirit to lead you daily. Now, I'm talking to people right now who have already accepted Jesus Christ, who have accepted this message, who believe, man, they are walking and loving God. And so every single moment of their lives, they're saying, Holy Spirit, I invite you to lead me right now. Never once on that train did I, did I say, hey God, would you just maybe reveal to me or would you give me an opportunity or, or anything like that? I just forced it. What if this was for you to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you daily and you knew you had to have a conversation with a coworker? What if you needed to have a conversation with your spouse or your children? Are you inviting the Holy Spirit to say, God, would you just guide me at the right moment to say the right things? You see, I think that's what usually happens to me is I'll certainly invite the Holy Spirit and say, God, would you, would you help me? say the right words, but then I never look for the opportunity. I never ask God to show me that moment. And I love Philip in this and in, in all of these things. He doesn't go, ah, I don't think the south road is the right way to go. First of all, the desert isn't my first place, right? You realize that I've been exiled. I'm ready for a vacation. Send me to Tahiti, not the desert. But he goes. And it just so happens that there is a person who is reading the scripture out loud. And this is interesting is when anybody was reading in some of the Old Testament, mo mainly they read out loud because most people wanted them to read because a lot of people didn't know how to read. And so it's not weird that this guy who was in his carriage was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So there's a guy who somewhat knows a little bit to go to Jerusalem to worship God. And now he's reading from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And all Philip needs to do from the Holy Spirit is ask one question. Go over, or the Holy Spirit says, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and he said, do you understand what you are reading? It doesn't need to be this long theological, well, you see, this is what happened and this is what's going on. And the reason why this is going on in your life is this four-step process of being, you know, the downfall of you. No, it's simply, do you, do you understand what you're reading? What if it all started with a question for the people that we come across all the time? 
Do you understand what's going on in your life right now? The first part has to come, though. It has to come out of a relationship with God. It cannot be forced. It cannot be come out of something we don't know. It starts with us. I wish I could go back to that moment with Steve. So here's the deal. I'm a Christian. Tell me what you think about this and have a conversation with him. Only if the Lord guides and directs. The second part of walking across the room is having a love for others. Having a love for others. Do we and are we concerned about others or only concerned about ourselves? Because when we have a love for others, we desire to do the next part of Scripture, which is, and if you're taking notes, is understand and proclaim the gospel. To understand and proclaim the gospel. Because what if Philip ran over and he says, hey, do you, do you understand the Scripture you're reading? The guy, and, and Philip doesn't even understand the Scripture. Not, not helping out much. I'm sure that they could read it together and understand it, but that's not what God is calling him to do at that moment. And so Philip asks the question, do you understand? And in verse 31, he says, the man replies, how can I unless somebody instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. So great. This is how God works, right? Like, do you understand what you're reading? And it's perfect. It just leads right in. It's not hard. It's not forced. It's not, uh, it's not for an assignment. It's this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak for his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? Like, do you, do you get those moments in your life where, like, like God just gives you a softball lob and you know you're going to hit it out of the park, right? This is exactly, Philip can praise God for this. This is all God-led. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip tells him about the good news of Jesus. Beginning with this one scripture, he points it right back to Jesus. Actually, this is all about Jesus. And we've been going through this. Not six or seven years ago, this happened. Jesus Christ was led to die on a cross for us. Because as you know, the rest of the scripture from the beginning, it says we're doomed. And so when we love God and we love others and we do our best to understand Scripture and, pro- and proclaim the gospel, we have nothing left to do but then to share Jesus everywhere we go. He understands this piece of Scripture. And so I want to spend a little bit of time today, I, I wanted to get past that other stuff to, to get into kind of the crux of this. 
Because in verse 36 through 40, they said, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Basically, this word is literally like a wind just, he was gone. The eunuch never saw him again, but when he was on his, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at a town of Asitus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Just to let you know, that's 20 miles away, okay? Baptized 20 miles, finds himself 20 miles away instantaneously. Man, that's some Marvel comic stuff right there. Okay, so uh, I love this part. How do you get from talking about Jesus to all of a sudden this guy wanting to be baptized? It's because Philip is telling the story of what's going on. Philip is telling this eunuch, this is what's been happening around us. We've been seeing this. People have been baptized. It means that they're leaving their old ways and coming and being in this new direction, having a new purpose, assimilating themselves to going, we are Christians. Which just means that Philip is essentially telling the testimony of his life is what's been happening since Jesus left, since he became a Christian. And so when we share Jesus, we need to write and practice our testimonies. Somebody came up to me the other day and they said, hey, if you had 45 seconds, could you clearly tell somebody what Jesus is doing in your life? What if you had two minutes? What if you had five minutes? What if you had 10 minutes? Where would you start? Most of the time, we always want to start at the very beginning, right? Because that's how we believe that most testimonies go. Well, you see, before I was a Christian, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I, if I have 45 seconds, I don't have time to talk about that. Man, Jesus Christ has been working on my heart as he's asking me to lead my wife and my children in this area. And I know that I have the power to do that because his word says this. It's a testimony. If I had two minutes, I might go into a little bit more detail. A testimony is about what God is doing in my life. Not a chance to be able to tell somebody that they're going to hell if they don't come to Jesus. And so do you have a testimony? Do you look for that opportunity? Because opportunities will come if you open up yourself for the longer conversations of let me tell you about Jesus Christ and what's going on in this world for you to understand Scripture. But I think first it starts with a relationship with one another to go, let me just walk across the room and tell you something that's important in my life. Do you do that regularly or do you just kind of wing it when it comes? I'm going to tell you I usually probably sit on the I've got 45 minutes to be with you so I'm just going to unload and that's at the time in my office where I usually go, I've been talking way too much, I'm sorry. 
But I encourage you to write down your testimony. I'm telling you, a stranger, when you come across them, isn't usually going to sit there for the 10 minutes. But why does Jesus matter to you today? If you had to look at your spouse or look at your children today, why, what could you say that would say, this is why Jesus matters to me? Or would you go completely rambling? Because it's really easy to tell your children or your spouse. But it gets a lot harder maybe when, when they're strangers. Or for some of you, you can tell strangers and not your spouse, but guess what? You need to work on that maybe. You can kiss them, but you can't tell them about Jesus. Are we looking for opportunities to do this? I heard um, going even a little bit further because we're going to go into kind of, hey, what if you have maybe 15 minutes? But I heard this really good analogy this week that I thought was interesting is they said this, it's sharing Jesus is like playing tic-tac-toe. So if you draw the tic-tac-toe lines and you put yourself in the very middle box, which is the free space, who is everybody that's around, that lives around you? Can you say their names? Okay, if you can't say their names, go introduce yourself. Take a plate of cookies. Maybe go mow their lawn. Maybe go help them weed their garden if you see them out there and introduce yourself and say, hey, and as you fill that in, okay, great, I know all their names. Now I want to know how to pray for them. So then I go to each and every box and I start going, all right, I'm going to pray for you in this area. And, and I know that you're struggling with this so that later on you can go back up to them and say, hey, how did this go for you? And then you get to go to the next connection and go, I want to connect you with Jesus Christ. I want to introduce you to this guy. Some of you in this room, your nearest neighbor is five miles. Wouldn't that be amazing if your neighbor knew that you drove five miles just to bring them a plate of cookies? Some of you live 30 feet away from your neighbor. And we've never, we, me, has never brought them a plate of cookies or said, hey, how can I help you? I might have shoveled their sidewalk. And so as you fill in that tic-tac-toe, you start to create lines and you start to go, okay, great. I've got everybody else. I've got everybody. I know everybody I'm entered into their lives. There's an amazing book out there if you want to read for fun that kind of gives you cool ideas. It's called Becoming a Contagious Christian. Um, it's a phenomenal book on just the small ways in which you can get your neighbors around you to be interested. What if you did a weekly game night and just invited people over to your house just for fun? Just so they could see how you do things. A monthly barbecue. And you invite everybody around you specifically for that. Not, and this is not for your Christian friends. But finding and having an idea to go, I want to connect everybody to Jesus Christ. 
there's three other ways in which we can uh, share the gospel. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a friend of mine to come up because uh, she's a much better drawer than me. And so uh, we're going to draw this out for you guys because if you had 10 minutes and you only had a napkin, how would you share this? And so, um, Olivia, would you come up here really quickly? She carries around Expo markers wherever she goes. Don't let her fool you. Here, I'm actually, I'm going to move this if that's okay. Do you want me to hold that for you? Here, how about this? We'll set it like this. Everybody can see the inner. <laughs> yeah, this is Olivia Allen. All right, so if you had 10 minutes to um, kind of explain what's going on uh, to somebody to say, hey, we've spent, uh, we, we've built a relationship together. Hey, how can I help you in understanding this gospel a little bit more? This is a way that you could do it on a napkin, super easy. And so you can draw this in this space below in um, in your bulletin if you'd like to, um, really small because I'm looking at Brian's going, mm, maybe that's not enough. Or on the left-hand side, inside your bulletin, underneath the black part, is a great place for you to do this, okay? So here you go. You ready? First of all, you would, only, you would draw two cliffs on either side of your napkin with a chasm in between because this is what happens, okay? As you're explaining this to them, you realize that Isaiah 59.2, and so we're going to put that right here down on the bottom, Isaiah 59.2. And Isaiah 59.2 says this, and Noah should have it on the screen for us. There you go. It is your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. It talks about this idea, because we have sinned, there is a huge separation between us and God. And so that means that when Isaiah 59.2 says there's a separation between us and God, I'm going to put God over here. Yeah, you can write God. Yep. Or you can draw him if you want to, if you know what he looks like. Okay, great. And over here, we're going to draw an amazing person, okay? I would draw a stick figure, okay, if I were you guys. I would draw a stick figure. Yeah. See, the idea is this, is that man is separated from God by a huge chasm. Don't make it look scary, okay? She is, she is talking up here the whole entire time while she's doing that, so she's distracting me a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm just giving you... <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> That's okay. But see, the thing is, is that the Bible tells us a couple things. The first thing is, is this, is that the, if you've ever walked down the path with people, right, that is really cute. You are really nervous about this, aren't you? Yeah, great. <laughs> That's okay. But the Bible tells us this. We're going to go into us for a little bit, okay? We're going to talk about that in Romans 3.23, it says this, that for everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. Everybody has sinned. There is not a single person who was born that has lived, except for Jesus Christ, we're going to get to that later, so for those of you who has not sinned. 
But then it goes on to say in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here's the deal though, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, you can write that down there. But the Bible also says that in Hebrews 9.27, that at just such a person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So if we know that all have sinned and that, we, and that uh, the wages of sin is death, we will die and be judged at some point. Romans 9.27 can go right there. Sorry, not Romans, Hebrews. Thank you very much. 927. So just as a really quick conversation that you can have with somebody, go, hey, based on, based on that alone, if you knew that you were going to be judged by God when you died, okay, I don't think this is going to happen. This is purely hypothetical. Okay? If you knew that you were going to be judged by God when you got into heaven and God asked you, why should I let you in? What would you say? Ask that person, what would you say? Most people, if they're honest with themselves, will say, hey man, I, I tried to live a pretty good life. I mean, my good outweighs my bad, right? Most people will say that. I think I did enough stuff. Well, the problem is, is that we know that that's not good enough. And so we'll go over to John, and we're going to write here John 5.24. And John 5.24 says this. It says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. So in this very verse right here, John 5.24, what we have is this. We have life. We have no judgment, and we have no death because of those who listen to God's message. And so, right underneath here, you simply write this, life, no judgment, and no death. See, the thing is, is that when we go on and continue to talk to them and ask that question, well, then how do you plan on, man, bridging the gap between you and God? And so they can come up with ideas like, man, I can go to church enough. I can read my Bible enough. And yeah, you can absolutely write those, yep. Or just that little try to do our own bridge. You don't even have to write those, yep. Maybe it is praying enough or doing good work at the homeless shelter or, man, I, it just goes on and on. Not lying to my wife, staying married for so many years. Thing is, is that the Bible also says that our best efforts, our best efforts will never get us across. I mean, even if you could get halfway across and tried to throw a stone still doesn't bridge the gap. You would not get there. You couldn't jump there. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, for God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this, for it is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. 
None of us can boast that I've done enough work here. So here's the deal. Seems a little hopeless. Seems a little hopeless. But then 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, For for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And so, yep, go for it. And by the way, just to let you know, uh, she found out she was doing this five minutes before church started. So, there you go. Yeah. See, the thing is this, is that when there's Christ and he is bridging the gap for us, there's only really one thing left to do, and it's to go back to John 5, 24. And so if you'd flip back there really quickly, Noah, just a couple. I tell you the truth. There's a response that we have here. It is those who listen to my message. You can write that there. Listen to my message. And you believe in God who sent me, have eternal life. And so, yeah, right over here you can write, believe in God. And would you just quickly write in here 2 Corinthians 5.21 for me. Perfect. That is the whole entire gospel on a single piece of napkin that you can do with somebody. Because the way we get to eternal life is not by any of our works whatsoever, but by realizing that God is way more holy than we are. And by listening to the message and believing in God, we can then walk across the bridge that Jesus has created for us. And have eternal life. Other than that, we are completely doomed without Jesus. And so as we share the gospel with one another and as we talk about the gospel with him, this is a great easy way for you guys to do in 10 minutes. It gets easier and easier as it goes. Thank you very much. Good job. Oh, no, those are yours. I'm just joking. There's a couple others there, and we'll go through them very fast because uh, we want to get to lunch and all of that. But the next one is this, is do done. And this one's a really easy one, okay? This one's super easy. As we're talking to people and as we're walking around with people, we can simply say, hey, what do you think about religion? What do you think about Christianity? People will say this. They'll say, well, it's about rituals, it's about rules, and it's just about religion holding us down. And then you can say this to them. They can go, well, that's the difference because you live in a do religion and I live in a done relationship. That God has already spent 
uh, that God has already worked everything out for me, that it is done, it is finished, I don't have to do anything, there's no rituals I have to follow through, there's no sort of 10, 20 steps that I have to do. No, I have to realize that Jesus Christ has paid for it all and that he desires a relationship with me. It's done. That's your quick 45-second one. Hey, what do you think about religion? Ah, it's just a bunch of crap. It's a, it's a bunch of just people just walking around and not caring about anything. It's about doing all these things. No, it's not about a bunch of rituals or rules. It's about a relationship, and I desire that relationship with God. I desire to be with him always, over and over and over again. I don't want to like ruin your art here, um, but it's okay. You drew bigger than I thought you were going to. I'm just giving you a hard time. The, the next one is this, is um, the, it's a ladder. Um, it's, it's called the ladder, and this one's kind of a fun one, and it's, it's not very long at all. I'm not going to erase this, sorry. And this is just a quick conversation because this also doesn't take Scripture much um, to do, but this is just a conversation with people to get to the idea of, do you want to talk to me about Scripture? I thought I wouldn't need this anymore. Um, but this is what it looks like. A lot of people kind of look at life as this kind of morality ladder. Aren't you glad that she wrote the last one? So basically, if you were to say this, if you were to say, hey, what's the most moral person you know in the whole entire creation, we would say God, right? There's nobody more moral than God. He sets all of the standards. And let's just say the worst person that we can think of, the people that are amazing, and everybody goes right to uh, maybe serial killers, uh, rapists, um, we'll just just because we want to name, we'll say Hitler, okay? So Hitler was one of the people that, um, hey, we um, maybe is down on the list, okay? But, uh, and then we would say, hey, who's somebody that you know that was kind of alive um, a little while ago that you would say, man, they lived out their Christian faith. They lived it out well. And we would say, okay, well, somebody we know that's kind of higher on the morality ladder, we're going to say, Mother Teresa, okay? And we're going to mark it by MT, Mother Teresa. She was a pretty good lady, right? She, she did a lot of good things and um, all of that. And then we're going to say, right under Mother Teresa, okay, right under Mother Teresa, I might put, uh, let's, let's, let's do the big guy himself, BG, Billy Graham, right? And so Billy Graham's pretty high up there, man, did a lot of things. But if you talk to Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, both of them would say what? Both of them say, man, we, we're not good at all. We've got a long way to go to even get to being as good as God is. And so then uh, me, I would say, and then as I'm talking to this person, I would say, well, I'm going to put myself on the ladder and then I'm going to put you there. And so if it was me, I would say, hey, you know, I'm right under Billy Graham. So let's just... I was supposed to be a joke, y'all. Okay, fine. I'll move myself down. Okay, so I, I'm down here. And then I'd give the pen to that person. I'd say, hey, 
Brian Gustafson, where would you put yourself on this ladder? And Brian would go, okay, well, maybe I'll put him right there. Okay, a little bit over Seth Runner, which I'm okay with. Maybe not. But, <laughs> but then the question is, is this. What is your plan to get up that ladder? What is your plan to get all the way up to God? And if you think that you're better than Mother Teresa or Billy Graham, how do you plan on surpassing them to get to God? And the cool thing is this, is that we have a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come down the ladder to us, to be able to help us, to be able to get to understand what's going on. And we then climb the ladder with him. It's a really quick, easy one. And then as people start asking, well, who knows what's right? I'm not even going to get into all that stuff. But to then have that conversation that goes, Jesus Christ is the one that takes care of this whole entire thing. Because in all reality, if you really want to know, Mother Teresa is here, Billy Graham is here, Seth Runner is here, Brian Gustafson is here, all down at the very bottom. We are overinflating ourselves even thinking that we're even on a rung of the ladder in terms of, in terms of God. And so bringing that point to them and saying, hey, what do you think about that? And having a conversation and, and continuing to talk to them over and over again. And then we'll, we get to share our stories with them a little bit. This is why God has changed me. Sharing the gospel over and over again to the point of going, this is how I identify with God. Man, I've been baptized. I'm doing these things not because it's a ritual, but it's because it's a relationship. I so desire to be with God. It's about coming to a point and knowing that God is absolutely holy and I am not. And he is gracious to me for me to have a relationship with him. The song we're going to close with and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up with is called Revelation Song. And the whole entire song at the very end is saying, God, you are absolutely holy. And you are worthy of all the praise that we could muster up. And God, I want to love you first. I want to love others, and so I'm going to study your word, I'm going to proclaim your word, and I'm going to share you as much as I possibly can, because I want your heart for the world, and as we study God's word and as we love him, we realize that he doesn't want anybody to perish, that he wants everybody to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we can't do that by being silent. We can't do that by sitting in our own homes and not getting to know our neighbors. We can't do that by being horrible examples in our own homes. And have you sat down with your kids and told them how important your relationship with Jesus Christ is? Or are you just silently showing that he's not important to you by not really opening up your word in the home or not really talking about him whatsoever? And so as we sing this song and as Brian is going to come and close us, I, I just want you to think about, God, where, where are you leading me? God may not actually lead you to uh, go and share the gospel every single day. That, that, that might not be where he's leading you, but you, 
but I'm asking you to answer the question, how have you done with loving Jesus and loving others and sharing him? I have a crazy uncle. He's older. I used to, I spent a couple summers with him in Butte, Montana. Maybe that's all I need to say for some of you to know that he is crazy. Um, but uh, he, he did teach me one lesson. Oh, he taught me a lot more than that. There's one lesson I'd like to share with you that he taught me, and it's how to back up a trailer. Y'all remember the first time you backed up a trailer? If you haven't yet, it's probably because you're too scared. Um, but I can remember also sharing with my son how to back up a trailer. He can now back up a boat, a boat trailer with no boat on it at night down a ramp uh, so that we can get the boat off. And so that, that's pretty good. I remember the first time with my uncle, though, we were in Butte. He lived in these couple trailers, and he's like, hey, back up the trailers so that we can put all the garbage in it. And I'm like, I don't even know how to drive, really. <laughs> like, how do I get this in reverse? And so I tried back up the trailer, and I'm doing really good at first because it was pretty much already lined up with where I needed to go. I just needed to go in reverse. But then the trailer started getting off track, and then it got worse, and it got worse, and I got faster, and, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, it's like jackknifed, right? I get out, and he's like, pull forward, try it again. Try it again, and got a little bit better, but still, you know, and pull forward and try again. And he had the patience to just sit there. He might have been high, but <laughs> he, he had the patience to deal with, with me through that. And now I, I can, I can back up a trailer. I, I, I can, I can just use the mirrors. You can maybe even close my eyes. No, don't do that. But I would have never learned had I not tried. I would have never taken that step of backing up a trailer if I didn't try. And I think sharing the gospel is the same way. You're, you're gonna share the gospel with somebody and you're gonna mess it up. You are, you're gonna, you're gonna say something heretical, right? And it's, it's just bad. It's okay. We have an all-powerful, amazing God that can use what you say and make miracles out of it. And so we just got to try backing up the trailer. We just got to try sharing Jesus, sharing a little love, sharing something that he's done in your life, trying to repeat a verse that you know because the next time's going to get a little better. The next time's going to get a little better. The next time's going to get a little better. And then all of a sudden, you know, like you don't even think about it anymore. When I get in the truck to back up the boat down the, the ramp now, I don't even think of my fear of backing up a boat. I, I'm trying to stay out of people's way and maybe run over a snake or a gopher while I'm doing it, but I don't think about how scared I was that first time. And if I tell you right now, do not think of a red fire truck. Don't do it. Stop, stop it. I know you're all thinking of a red fire truck. Don't think about the red fire truck. Stop thinking about it. Just put Jesus' name out there. Just say Jesus. Just say God. Just say what he's done. And then Jesus is on people's minds. Let God do the hard work. Understand if we're perfect at backing up the trailer and sharing the gospel and giving it in this well-informed, awesome napkin drawing. Thank you, Olivia. Amazing. They may not even hear it. Like, we're in no control of that. God is, and so we just have to take those steps. 
And the last thing is this song here, the Revelation song. I remember my wife taking that step with me. We weren't on the best of terms because it was right as I was kind of getting found out about gambling and trying to find Jesus at the same time in this whole part of my life. And she was heading to work and she called me and she said, uh, song. It's a revelation song. It talks about flashes of lightning and rolls of thunder. And as soon as that part of the song came on, my whole windshield filled with lightning. And I know that God is working with us right now. I know. He just, he just showed me. There was no gospel in that. There was no scripture that she memorized. She just shared how God was working in her life. And she had no idea what that sharing was doing in my heart. And so if you don't have scripture memorized, if you can't back up the trailer, if you don't even know how to work to review mirrors, just share how Jesus is working in your life and let him do the rest. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much ah, for the example of Philip to when called, just run over there. Lord, call us. And may we run. Lord, allow us to be in those moments that you've created over all of history and people's lives to put us in the path so that we can speak for you. Lord, help us to take these first steps. Help us to put Jesus on their minds. And Lord, may you take over the rest. Lord, we're just going to be carriers of this seed and we need you to water. We need you to nurture. We need you to get the right soil and, and the miracle of it breaking through the ground, Lord. We don't even need to see it. We just need to know that we are sharing your word as much as we can. Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.